Let's pray. Father, I ask that as I share, um, Father, that you would take your word and apply it to hearts and minds, um, to everyone that might be tuning in to this in different ways, and that you would bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with a, um, a great little epilogue to Elisha's life. Uh, it's a fantastic few verses that come in 2 Kings 13. And it's one of those moments where it would have just been amazing to be there, right? So in, in 2 Kings 13 verse 20, we read that Elisha died and was buried. And then if you fast forward a little bit, there are some people having a funeral uh, when Moabite raiders are coming. And so this funeral moment becomes a scurry for survival. In their haste, they put the dead body into Elisha's tomb, and I quote, When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be there, right? To go from mourning and grief uh, to survival as these Moabite raiders are attacking, um, to elation as, you know, it's like, Jim, you're back, or, you know, whoever, you know, the, um, like, to absolute elation, again, then back to survival, uh, like, it's like, Jim, we have to run, you know, like, um, and we're not told what happened next. Obviously, someone survived to tell the story, and the point of the story, in my mind, is that Elisha was so powerful that God could work a miracle through him even after he was dead. And see, that's, uh, as I say, it's a nice little epilogue. And we see in Elisha's life, many times in which God used him in such a way that he was able to do miracles. There are loads of great stories around this. But be, to begin right now, though, in this modern age, uh, we need to define a miracle. Simply put, to me, a miracle is an act of God that defies the natural order that he has established. So when Elisha does a miracle... I don't give credit to Elisha, but to God. In my understanding, God is the one who has the power to do miracles. And God is also the one who has created the natural order, so I only expect miracles when God wants to work in an extraordinary way. Does God work in some places or times more than others? Yes. God used Elisha powerfully because it was important for the nation of Israel. That doesn't mean, however, that God won't choose to work powerfully in our time. But there's a balance to be had here. Um, some Christians uh, don't help when they claim things as miracles that are not. Like, it's a miracle I found a parking spot. Yeah, really? Um, at the same time, it's important for us that we know that God can work a miracle in our place and time and very well might. Under this, of course, there's a tension that we feel from wanting to be in heaven and wanting what we experience here on earth to be as it will be in heaven, but we're not there yet. There's also a lingering question many of us have as to why God would work in one place and time and not another, or in one person's life but not another. In this, we need to be humble so that our hearts fear God and we don't treat him like a machine to do our bidding 
while also knowing that he invites us to ask. We should have courage based on God's power to ask. We should have courage based on God's power in regard to what we ask for. So in 2 Kings, we get loads of stories with God working powerfully through Elisha. And they come, loads of them. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, Elisha comes across a town where the people are struggling because the land is unproductive, because the well um, where they get their water from is bad. He asks them for a bowl of salt. He pours this bowl of salt into the well. Again, ancient times, I don't know what salt would cost. But you can, imagine, you can imagine at that moment that someone is like, hey, that was my salt. What are you doing? You know, what a waste. And Elisha says at that moment, he says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 21, he says, this is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. It's interesting to me is in that moment, you can't prove it very well, can you? And yet the writer or the narrator says in the next verse, writing this years later, writes this. And the water has remained pure to this day according to the word Elisha had spoken. You see, the miracles of Elisha were a tangible expression of God's grace and judgment. And remember, this isn't about Elisha. It's in that he is a prophet. He is speaking for God. It's about God. And so he says, this is what the Lord says. In the middle of chapter 3, we get another one. Elisha brings a dead boy back to life in a very dramatic way. At the end of chapter 3, he heals a pot of food. You can read the story. Another thing, he, he makes 20 loaves of bread feed 100 people. In the beginning of chapter 6, he sees the prophets and they have this problem. They have this axe head that's fallen into the water. Naturally, it's an axe head, so it's heavy, so it sinks. And he does something. He takes a stick, throws it on the water, and a miracle occurs. The stick, which is supposed to float, sinks to the bottom, and the axe head rises to the top where it can be collected. We get miracle after miracle after miracle. And when we look at the life of Elijah and these miracles that are shared with us, I would want two things to happen. First, I'd want us to have a sense of wonder over what God can do. And second, I want us to realize that if God wants, he can use a person, like Elisha to do his work, but also like you or me. Um, Joe and I, on moving to Bath, or a little while after moving to Bath, um, on our first anniversary when we were here, we went to go and see a magician in Bath. And it, there's like a magic pub in Bath. I'm sure it's not open right now, but when it is open again, it's well worth it. And we sat, it was a kind of tightly packed room full of people. Our seats, I think because we got there late, because it's kind of scary, um, we ended up having seats that were basically front row right in the middle, um, which I found fantastic because actually uh, the magician was just like an arm's length away. And this guy was a master at sleight of hand. Like he had, one of the big things he did was a, a routine with three cups. And he was producing things from these cups that were just impossible, right? And I knew how he was doing the trick, but I couldn't still see how it was being done, right? Like I, I knew how it works. 
And again, I was just an arm's length away. And the, the evening, one trick after another, built into a growing sense of wonder. That's fantastic. Now, when we read these stories, they're not, they're, they're real life. And a growing sense of wonder is meant to build in us when we read the miracles of Elisha or the healings of Jesus. And it's essentially much more than the wonder we would have over a magician, where we know that they're actually just fooling us. Because again, with Elisha, with Jesus, these things actually happened. Now, at this point, I want to focus in on the miracle we find in our scripture reading, which is in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. And first notice uh, the need that Elisha comes across. In 2 Kings 4, verse 1, we read this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So one of the prophets has passed away and and has left his wife with this debt. She owes money, and because of this, she's about to lose her two boys. It says that they will be taken to pay her debt, making them slaves. Can you imagine how desperate that mother must have felt? How powerless? In the ancient world, depending on their age, of course, but quite likely these boys would have been her protection, eventually her retirement plan, possibly her ability to survive, depending on their age. And in verse 2 of 2 Kings chapter 4, we read this. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. This makes the situation seem even more impossible. Oil was expensive back then, but not expensive enough that a small jar is going to make any difference. The word here for small, by the way, um, in Hebrew is unusual. It might even just be referring to an anointing jar. I mean, that is incredibly small. I love, however, that God uses the little that she can offer to make a great thing happen. And this sort of thing happens other times in Scripture as well, like Moses with a stick in his hand, or a boy with, some, with a couple of fish and some loaves of bread to feed 5,000. And Elisha here is so tuned into God that he doesn't miss a beat. He tells her to collect as many jars as she can from others, and start pouring oil into them. Now, pause here for a moment. Like, can you see how ridiculous this is? She has a small jar. She's told to collect many jars and pour oil into them. Everyone knows that for one small jar, all you need is another small jar. And she follows what Elisha says, and she finds that the oil doesn't run out as she fills all the jars. And then I love what happens in verse 6. Verse 6. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. This is a a clear, like, oh man, sort of moment. (laughs) Right? She had loads of faith. And let's, let's say that she had ten jars worth of faith. Right? 
In that moment, she realizes that if only she'd gotten 20 jars, God would have filled them. Notice here that the blessing she received was directly related to what she was expecting. See, there's something interesting here. There's something that honors God about our faith, our trust, um, our belief in what he is able to do. That's why we read this, for example, in Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So she reaches for another jar, wishes she'd gotten many more, but she has enough to pay her debt and some leftover to live off. You see, the miracles of Elisha are meant to encourage us. God can work in extraordinary ways. God can use us as he used Elisha. Let's play, pray both with reverence and faith, with, both with reverence and faith in a way that honors God. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us with this. There are many appropriate questions we have around miracles and around the way that you work. And yet I ask that you would increase our faith, that we would be a people that honor you, that revere you, both in the way that we ask, but also in what we ask for. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.